listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Recently, particularly spending a lot of time in Joshua, but um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some more um, Joshua stuff later on today when we unveil the Go Forward um, campaign video, which we've worked so hard on, and, and uh, it's it's really good. I can't wait to show you guys. Um, but today, um, right now, uh, we're gonna spend some time in the Psalms. And uh, if the Bible shows us anything really clearly, I mean like really, really clearly, I feel like it's that we as humans are easily confused. Like for real, like, see, I just confused you. We're easily confused. Uh, If you need a point of reference for that, look no further than Jesus' disciples, right? Those guys were constantly, constantly confused and never got the point of what Jesus was trying to say to them when he first said it. And it, it doesn't help matters, though, I guess, that Jesus said things like, don't throw your pearls at pigs, like... Or the meek shall inherit the earth. Like if, like if I heard, don't throw your pearls at pigs, I would be like, okay, Jesus, I won't throw my pearls at pigs. I don't even own any pearls. So, okay. You know, <laughs> but whether we want to admit it or not, confusion comes easily to us as humans. And sometimes we even get confused about the things that we own, right? Like, like, uh, have, like I'm not just talking about the, the, the thing where sometimes the things you own, own you. Like, I'm not just talking about that. What I am talking about, though, is um, we get ownership confused all the time. Like, have have you ever had a friend who got, like, a new spiffy-looking car, right? And they're like, oh, man, this car is so sweet. I can't believe it's all mine. It's all mine. Like, if there's an opportunity there for you to really freak them out when you say, oh, man, that's your car? Like, man, I thought it was your bank's car. Like, it's, it's going to be your car in like 376 more payments of $400, right? Like, it's the, then it's all yours, but it's not all yours now, so you shouldn't say that, you know? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> don't do that. That's mean. That's mean. That's just plain mean, but funny. So... Um, Kids are super smart these days. Uh, they know all kinds of techie stuff that I don't understand. Is, is anybody losing grip on technology? Because I feel like I, I'm just like, I used to be tech savvy at one point, and now I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? So, um, but my son, Dylan, he's, he's 11 years old now, and he's one of the sharpest kids I've ever met. This, this kid is killer, killer at math, and he can do these huge, huge math problems in the few moments it takes, he can do them in his head in the few moments it takes me to get my iPhone out of my pocket and get the calculator out. Like that's how sharp he is. And and this kid is wildly smart. And even he doesn't understand ownership. He he doesn't understand ownership. Like uh, Dylan saved up his allowance and his Christmas money and bought an iPad mini a while back. And we were proud, like, good job, you know, way to go. You saved up your money. And shortly after he received it, though, he got in some pretty big trouble, right? 
And so like any good parent does, you take away the thing that they value most dear, right? And then you maniacally laugh as you take it away, like, ha, 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 right? That's just good parenting, right? It's just good parenting. And uh, so Dylan gets in trouble, right? And, and we told him, okay, dude, no electronics until further notice. And, and so we all went on about our day. And later on that day, I noticed, I, I go into his room and I find him on his iPad. I'm like, what the heck, dude? Like, and so I say to him, I, I'm like, so, hey, Dylan, was I not clear when I said no electronics? And, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, dad, you were clear. And then he goes back to playing his iPad. I'm like... Something ain't right here. <laughs> like, like, what is going on? And he goes, he goes uh, I'm like, so, Dylan, um, why do you feel like it's okay to be on your iPad then if, if I was clear and said no electronics? And he said, very quickly, he responded like he was prepared. You know, like, well, this is mine. I paid for it. And uh, you can't take it away because it's mine. Kids are cute, aren't they? See, what Dylan wasn't getting is that just because he paid for the iPad doesn't mean that he owns it. Guess where he got the money for it from? Us, right? Like, yeah, he did some chores and stuff for his allowance, but that allowance came from our hand, right? And allowance means we are allowing him to have some of our money, right? (laughs) Right? God may give freely with no strings attached, but I certainly don't, right? Like that iPad is under my roof, right? And therefore I am the ultimate owner of that iPad. I have final say over that iPad. And it took some convincing because Dylan is a sharp guy, right? He's a smart kid, but eventually he got the picture. And honestly, I was kind of waiting for him to say, dad, you said this iPad's under your roof, right? Yes, Dylan. But dad, uh, aren't we renters? <laughs> just, just go to your room, Dylan. Just go to your room. Get out of here. <laughs> I guess ownership even still confuses me sometimes too. But, but if you think about it, that train of thought applies as much to us and our lives as it does to God. I think sometimes we get confused when we as believers say we're giving to God when we're giving to God. Because doesn't the word giving imply that it's ours to give, right? It's like Christmas shopping for Kim's grandma. Like every year around Christmas, we're like, okay, we gotta get Kim's grandma something. What can we, what can we get her that she doesn't already have, right? Like a scarf, yeah, sure, why not? We live in Southern California, but sure, it's fine. Like. You know, what, what, seriously though, like, what can you give God that he doesn't already have? Because the Psalms make it very clear that God, it's all his. It's all his, right? Psalm 24, one and two, King David writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. I mean, you can't get much clearer than that, right? <laughs> you can't, it just doesn't get much more clear than that. It doesn't say that the earth is the Lord's and some of what's in it. It doesn't say the earth is the Lord's and 10% of what's in it. 
The text says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his. From the sunrise to the place where it sets, to the oceans, to the other ocean, to the mountains, to the valleys, it's all his. But what, what it goes on to say is that the world and its people belong to him. The world and its people belong to him. So if the people belong to God, do you think it's safe to say that the people's belongings belong to God as well? I, I would venture to say yes. So if God owns it all, what can we give to God? It's a layered question. Even God knew it would be a hard concept for us to grasp because he tried to explain it to us in Psalm 50, verses 7 through 12. And this is, I'm going to read it from the NLT version. Psalm 50, 7 through 12. The father tells his people, Oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God. It's never good when God has to remind you he's God. I just want to throw that out there. Like, I am God. You're God, no less. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Basically, God is saying to the people of Israel, do you think I need these sacrifices you're giving me? Do you think I need them? He's saying, I don't need more bulls and goats because they're all mine anyways. And in fact, all the animals of the forest and the hills are mine and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And go on and test me. Name an animal. Duckbill platypus. Yep, that's mine. Spider monkey. Mm-hmm. Cockatoo. Yes. And fun fact, all of the other birds are mine as well, even the flightless ones. <laughs> like God, God owns them all, right? And, and in verse 12, God goes on to say, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the, all the world is mine and everything in it. God is saying, I don't actually need your sacrifices. They don't fulfill a need within me because I have no needs because I am God, Right? So the question is, if God already owns everything, what can we give him? I think the answer quite simply is nothing. Like, he can't, we can't give to the Lord anything that he doesn't already own. And we can only bring before him what is already his. We can only bring before him what is already his. That is a, a really crucial concept to grasp onto. We can only bring before him what is already his. And thankfully, God gives us a blueprint of what that looks like. The Lord says in the same Psalm, um, in verses 14 and 15, he says, 
make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Thankfulness, right? And and keep the vows you have made to the most high. So keep your promises. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Call on me and give me glory. Thankfulness, one. Keep your promises, two. When you're in trouble, call me and give me glory when I save you. I think it's interesting that even in the Lord explaining that he doesn't need our sacrifices, he doesn't let us off the hook, right? I think that's interesting because we're still required to make an offering and not because he's just greedy or mean, uh, but those passages say make thankfulness your sacrifice and keep your promise to God. Call on him in times of trouble and he will rescue you and you will give him glory. God wants to be glorified through our offerings and he wants them to them given with a thankful heart, not out of obligation. The Lord is saying, I don't need your offerings. It's you who need the act of sacrifice. It's you who need the act of sacrifice. And because sacrifice leads to to thankfulness, a deeper trust in me, and and through that I receive your glory. When you look at it that way, our offerings are actually more for our benefit than it is for God's. This deeper concept of bringing before the Lord what is already his is in essence for our own good. It's for our own good because God in his infinite wisdom saw that this would build relational trust, relational trust with him. Not because he is in need of anything from us, We are the ones who need to give. It's our benefit. It's for our benefit, rather, and ours alone. These same concepts of giving back to the Lord what is already his with thankfulness and keeping your promises to God, calling on him in times of trouble and giving him glory, they're scattered throughout the Psalms. And you may never notice them, have noticed them, but they're there. Like I, I hit several psalms with these same four themes. And, and if you look for them, they're there. God doesn't want us to make an offering to him because he doesn't have enough already. Or he wants us to live in poverty. It, it's quite the opposite. God's lo- God loves us. Get this. God loves us so much that he wants us to trust him with everything. Not just some, not just 10%, but everything. And, and through building this relational trust with God, through bringing before him what is already his, we get to dwell in the richness of his presence. And that makes us very rich indeed. So how should this concept of the Lord's ownership affect us? Well, I know for myself, it caused me to reevaluate what a meaningful offering to the Lord looks like. Uh, 
Am I just going through the routine, giving the same offering that I always give, or am I trusting the Lord with what is deeply meaningful to me, knowing that he is trustworthy? There's a story in the gospel where Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's teaching in the temple, and actually Jesus has has just laid into some religious leaders of the day for making they're, they're giving a spectacle for all to see. And these leaders were giving offerings in the temple to be seen and respected in the community, uh, which is not what God wants. And, and those offerings were, were meaningless to God because in 1 Samuel sixteen seven it says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so these religious leaders were making offerings just to look good. They weren't trying to honor God and, and uh, they, were, they were trying to be seen by people and Jesus wasn't having it, right? He just wasn't having it. And, uh, and so after this in Luke 21, verses one through three, that's where you find the story. Um, Jesus sees someone give an extremely meaningful offering, an extremely meaningful offering, and it reads like this. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. See, it's not the amount that's meaningful to God. As we already said, the earth and everything in it belongs to him. It's the trust that an offering is brought with that brings him joy. And, it tur- and, it, and it, in turn, it draws us closer to him. So the question is, what can we offer up to God that will be meaningful to him? The answer is simple. It is everything and anything that is meaningful to us. I think this is what God had, or uh, not God, David. David wrote this part of the Bible, Uh, but it was inspired by God. I think this is what David had in mind when he wrote Psalm 96. It reads like this. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the goodness that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he has done. Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Now now tune back in here. This is important. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. 
Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth and he will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. So good. I want to call the worship team back up at this point. I want to encourage you guys to chew on this. Maybe I said something this morning that, that struck you funny. Maybe, maybe I said something that you were like, did he just say that? I want you to spend some time praying over it this week and chewing on it and wrestling with it and wrestling with the scriptures. Pour over the Psalms this week and I bet you will see these patterns of thankfulness. And keeping your promises to God and calling on him in trouble and giving him glory. I think you will see those patterns. The Lord wants to be in relationship with you. And that's what sacrifice and offering is about. So let's go to prayer. Father God, we we remind ourselves, Lord, that you are the creator of this world. That you are the giver of life. Lord, that you breathe the breath of life into our lungs. Father, that the world is yours and everything in it. Lord, we remind ourselves, Lord, that you ask us to trust you. We remind ourselves that it's not about the amount, but the heart behind an offering. We remind ourselves that it's not because you don't already have enough, but it's because you you want to be in deeper relationship with us. So Father God, we, Lord, we just love you. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna transition to a different part portion of our service now. So would you sing with us? We're gonna unveil this go forward video that we've worked so hard on to you guys in just a moment. But I wanted to share briefly, we've been talking a lot 
about Joshua 6 where the walls actually come down, but there's this moment that, well, the, the walls come down, the people of Israel march around the walls of Jericho in this crazy, ludicrous plan that God gives them, um, and they are obedient, and they walk in obedience, and, and, and they see the walls come down, but there's this moment in Joshua 5 towards the end where where Joshua, Joshua encounters the leader of the Lord's armies, angel armies. And um, it reads like this. It's not on the screen. Just, just listen. So um, Joshua 5, thir- uh, yeah, 13 through 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his his drawn sword in hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And, and he said, no, <laughs> but I am the commander of the Lord, the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals for your feet from your, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. There's this moment where Joshua says to this guy, this angel, are you for us or against us? And the, and the angel cleverly says, no, neither are right. I, I'm with God. I'm with God on this, right? And I love that. Uh, the Lord is always working towards his purposes, his end goal. He wants to see his glory on the earth. And, and we as believers want nothing more than that as well. But there's this moment where this angel tells tells Joshua, this is before the walls have fallen, before they marched, before they blew even one shofar. Like um, nothing had happened at this point. The and, and the angel tells Joshua, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. Like this is a holy, sacred moment. And I believe deeply that's where we are as a church right now. Um, we're in a moment where where we need to prepare for what God is about to do. Because in the story of the fall of Jericho, yeah, the people of Israel marched around the walls and they were obedient to God, but Joshua and the people of Israel aren't the real hero of that story. God is the hero of that story. And so I believe that we are called to be obedient to the Lord and what he asks us to do and to be open to what he asks us to do. But I, I believe that God will be the hero of our story. So I want to show you this video now. And uh, I pray that you would begin to open up your heart and mind to, to, to just receive this. And I, I believe this is going to be a, a sacred moment for us as a church. So I want to show it to you now. Go ahead and roll it.
I always do my best to take Mondays off. That's just a rhythm I've set. It's my Sabbath, and I desperately need it because though I absolutely love being with people, it completely wears me out. And though I love it in every way, being a pastor, Sundays are big people days. So on Mondays, I stay home, I rest, and recoup. So a few months back, I was home on a Monday doing laundry and listening to these words from a worship song called Do It Again. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. And right then and there, the Lord said, Jason, listen up. I stopped what I was doing and really listened to the rest of the song, and I was so deeply moved. Have you ever felt that there were walls in your life that you thought should have fallen by now? But there they are, still in your way. Many of us have these stories of a wall stopping us from moving into where we are called to be. These stories where we are lost in sin and carrying around sandbags of shame day in and day out, feeling like there's no way out or even around. And I'd be willing to bet that many of you have a wall that seemed insurmountable somewhere in your journey. And sometimes we feel resigned to the fact that these walls are simply the way it is. We go about our lives imagining what it might be like on the other side and knowing God's plan to overcome these obstacles but not having the courage to go forward with it. It's really easy to get comfortable when there's an obstacle you can't seem to get around. I wonder if that's how the people of Israel felt. On that Monday morning after I finished listening to that song, the Lord said to me, go read the story of the fall of Jericho. In Joshua 6, we see God's plan to take the city of Jericho, which was a part of the land that God had promised the Israelite people so long ago. God had provided in miraculous ways over and over for the people of Israel. And at the beginning of Joshua 6, he tells Joshua, I have given the city of Jericho into your hands. With everyone being silent, march around the city once a day for six days with the priests blowing ram's horns, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And on the seventh day, march around seven times and at the end of the final lap, have everyone lift up a great shout. Then the walls of Jericho will fall flat and the city will be yours. Now, if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, what? Are you crazy, God? This is your big battle plan, Lord? You want us to walk around the city walls, not once, but for seven days, while all the while our priests are blowing ram's horns? The thing I can relate to the most is now that God has mapped out the plan for Joshua, he now has to go back and communicate this ludicrous sounding plan to the Israelite people. Can you imagine? God gives him this crazy sounding plan and Joshua doesn't even flinch, not an ounce of hesitation. He goes right to the people to relay God's plan. And in verse six and seven, it says this, Joshua, the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Joshua is completely obedient to the Lord, and honestly to me, that is awe-inspiring. 
those words, go forward, became so clear to me. And it wasn't just a word for me or my family, but it was a word for this family, our church. See, I'm gonna be really honest with you guys. When we planted this church, things did not go according to plan at all. I'm not gonna get into the whole big hairy story. If you really wanna know, let's meet over coffee and I'll share it with you. But I'll cut to the chase that in the first years of our church plant, we accrued some debt that feels very heavy to our little church. And up until this point, with some extraordinary help from our denomination's district office, we've made it. But in the last year, it has become clear that we need to take some significant steps to decrease our debt as a church or wipe the debt out altogether. I've been the leader of the Mission Redlands for over two years. I have spent many a sleepless night feeling the weight and shame of all of this. This debt feels like an insurmountable wall that we have lived at the base of for too long. We've been stuck in the shadow of this wall, staring at how high and wide it is, not knowing how to get to the other side, to the place God has promised us. So when I was spending time with the Lord on that Monday in January, reading Joshua 6 again and again, the wholehearted obedience of Joshua and the people of Israel in this particular moment struck me. Joshua unflinchingly tells the Israelite people this crazy plan, and they do it. You know why? Because God had provided for them in so many miraculous ways already. The people of Israel had already seen God provide food from the sky for them and part the Jordan River underneath their feet. They had seen miraculous works of God move mountains and they believed he could do it again. I believe that God has clearly mapped out a plan of action for the Mission Redlands to see this wall come down. Like Joshua, we need to be obedient. That's what we are striving to do as a church. I believe that God has clearly mapped out a plan of action for the Mission Redlands to see this wall come down. Like Joshua, we need to be obedient. And that's what we are striving to do as a church in this season, to go forward in obedience, walking in step with God in the center of His will. And we believe we will see the walls that are keeping us from where God intended us to be come down. We aren't asking you to simply partner with paying off the church's debt. It's so much grander than that. We're asking you to partner with the future ministry of Jesus Christ in Redlands through our church. We hope you will consider and pray about how God would use you in his plan and that you would stay open to his will no matter how crazy it sounds. Because I believe deeply that this is the Lord's will. We've seen God do miraculous things in our church and we believe we'll see him do it again. Thank you. So in a moment here, the in fact, they can start doing it now. The ushers are going to hand out little response cards. And I have just four things I want to share as, I, as we're doing this. Uh, one is if you're visiting here today, 
This could seem a little bit awkward to you. I think I've been here a little over three years. It's probably maybe the first time we ever really talked about money in all our time here. So I apologize for that. I will explain that this has been the culmination, or today is the culmination today and next Sunday, culmination of a process that began uh, several months ago and really a year plus ago in many ways. But um, our church has been engaged in a uh, 40 days of fasting and prayer where while individual uh, members of it took on a day of responsibility related to that and sought God's face in it. And then last uh, weekend, we had a 24-hour prayer vigil for our church as well, just praying for God's direction. And so uh, what you see today, what you're part of today is, is that culmination of a process of really seeking uh, what God's direction is for the future of our congregation. So if you're here and you're a visitor today, I apologize. And I just, you know, you're welcome to observe and not uh, participate in what we're doing here today, unless led by God. Uh, Second thing I wanted to share, and this is really important, I think, for all of you to understand. uh, Before I could come even here and do this this morning, before um, our leadership could put this before our entire congregation, it was really important that as leaders, we sort of step up ourselves. So on Friday night, we had a a special gathering of our leadership where we challenged our leaders to say, hey, we're going to put this in front of our entire congregation. Uh, We want to encourage you. How do you want to get involved uh, with us? And, And God's good. I, I just have to tell you that in that evening, there were um, seven pledges made. We raised over $55,000 already towards our goal. And I, I say that not as a, a brag for what's happening, but as a tribute to what God's doing already in our midst and an encouragement to you to come and be part of it with what we do today. Third thing I wanted to share with you, and, uh, and some of you may feel like you're in the same situation as we began as a church leadership to consider this a year ago. In some ways, I felt as a church leader, well, you know, that debt, that was before my time. I'm not responsible for that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And in some ways, I still have that idea. What excites me about what we're doing right now is the opportunity to take the $3,000 a month that we have to pay towards uh, the debt payments that we've had from the past and say, what could we do with that money to make a difference in this community for the kingdom of God? How could we live out God's radical love in Redlands using those resources that are tied up right now in a way that we could use them where we could make a real difference here in this community? So if, if that excites you at all, I just challenge you to think about getting involved with this. And the fourth thing I would say, um, as we embarked on this process, um, it, it was... It was, it was a lot of reluctance. Like our, our leadership, we did not want to do this. It was a struggle to want to think about doing this. This is impossible. It can't be done. And I thought as we think about that passage in Joshua 6, we very, are very much like Joshua, the leadership, Joshua, and the people of Israel. Um, God sort of threw this crazy idea in front of us. Uh, directed us, and we had to take that step of, of, of obedience. We had to take that step in uh, obedience to him as a church uh, to do something crazy, to do something that we couldn't do on our own so that God would get the glory. And I would just challenge you as you think about how uh, you and your family could get involved with this Go Forward campaign, I would just challenge you to take that same kind of mindset. It's easy to write down a number that you could do on your own. It was easy for those Israelites maybe to take up the articles of war and attack a weak enemy. Uh, But when they had to face those walls of Jericho, they had to do it God's way so that God would get the glory. I just would challenge you as you think about your own commitment in this, that it's a kind of commitment that would, would demonstrate God's provision for it. God's doing it in your life so that he gets the glory because that's what he's all about. 
So in a moment, uh, the cards should have been handed out. Uh, take a few minutes. The uh, uh, band will begin to play. And in a minute or two, I will pray and the ushers will come forward again and we'll collect our morning offering. And if you have your card and you feel comfortable with it, filling it out today and, and returning it in the offering plate, you can. Uh, we will be doing the same thing next week to give those an opportunity that may want to thinking, pray about it for the week as well. So let's uh, consider this to the Lord. Great are you, Lord, worthy of our praise. Lord, we thank you for all your provision. We thank you for all you've done in this congregation, in this church, Lord. May our footprint be larger here in Redlands. May our impact for your kingdom be outstanding in this community, Lord, and beyond. Lord, we ask for you to make a difference now in this community through this church, through the mission, and through the growth of your kingdom. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.